0: Welcome to Smart Politics. I'm your host, Anthony Arnold. What do you think of when you hear the word vice? Maybe you think of the Christian Bale movie or the legendary TV show. And trust me when I say I would love to do an episode about both of those. Unfortunately, that's not the case. When I say vice, I'm talking about things like drugs, sex, and alcohol, which might just describe one Hell of a Friday night for some of you. But seriously, there is a reason this block of episodes will be talking about vice. First, though, let me explain how I'm using the word. So, I don't mean it in the this is a sin kind of way. I'm not exactly a Puritan, and I've been known to let loose a time or two myself. So, when I say vice, I mean a friendlier version of the term. I'm talking about the things that we enjoy doing but that maybe aren't so good for us. So here's why I'm talking about them. In the 20th century, we ran a bit of an experiment in American society. Now, I don't think anybody quite thought about it in those terms, but I do think that's what it amounted to. The experiment was this. What if we give the public almost unlimited freedom to pursue their desires? Think about it. Alcohol. Gambling. Porn. The 20th century saw social mores changing around all of these things. From the Victorian porn of the 20th century, which looks positively prudish now, to the whatever you want, whenever you want era we live in now. From the all-out war against alcohol and gambling, to drive-through liquor stores in March Madness. Things changed a lot. Americans went from not being able to do much of anything, to having an entire buffet of pleasure to choose from. But even though our society ran this grand experiment, I'm not sure we ever stopped to analyze the results. And here's the thing, some of the results aren't so good. Now, like I said, I'm no Puritan. I'm not here to judge. This isn't that type of podcast, and I'm not that type of person. But I do think we should take a look at how all of this worked out for us, for a couple of reasons. The first is that the consequences of this experiment are a real problem that many people deal with. And it's not a problem that only impacts individuals. Entire communities have and continue to suffer. Greater access to certain things like gambling or alcohol means that more people and more communities will have to deal with the fallout. So if we're dedicated to choosing that route, dedicated to giving people the choice to pursue whatever they want, and it appears we are, then we really have to come up with a way of managing the suffering that's going to result. The second reason is that this debate is never going to go away. Right now, across the United States, marijuana laws are changing everywhere to the point that most people now believe it's a matter of when, not if that change will happen at the federal level, but that won't be the end of the debate. Remember what I said before, a little over a century ago prohibition was the law, the 18th amendment passed in 1919 it was literally illegal to sell or manufacture alcohol. And look where we are now. You can buy beer disguised as apple cider and nobody will bat an eye. It's right there next to the water, one aisle over from the popcorn. To be clear, I'm not saying this is necessarily bad. What I'm saying is that the change came very fast, much faster than anybody would have anticipated in 1933 When the 21st amendment repealed the 18th the people who were trying to make alcohol legal again in 1933 definitely couldn't imagine someone like timothy leary promoting lsd in the 60s and the idea that weed would be legal in a lot of places in 2023 would have sounded like insanity to them remember 1936 was when the film reefer madness premiered it's very easy to think that the moment we're living in right now is unlike any other but that's not the case history really does have a circular quality to it which means that a century from now they'll be having this debate about some substance we aren't even considering right now now if you think that sounds far-fetched then let me tell you a little bit about performance enhancing drugs in baseball is this just an excuse to talk about sports maybe but it's my podcast so here we go so in world war ii soldiers were given amphetamines the drugs we use to help treat adhd to help them stay alert and awake we're talking tens of millions of pills and after the war some of those soldiers not only returned home but they went back to baseball so it's unimaginable now but Over 500 baseball players served in the military, players like Jackie Robinson and Ted Williams. And when those players returned to baseball, they bought their amphetamines or greenies, as they called them, back with them. So as early as the 1950s, players were openly using them to get an edge. And if you've ever played a doubleheader or had to play an afternoon game the day after a night game, you'd understand why. This kind of casual drug use was tolerated, and in many cases outright encouraged by teammates for decades. Now, reasonable people have been arguing about how much greenies actually helped players, but nobody can argue that in the 70s, possibly as early as the 60s, things rose to the next level when players started experimenting with anabolic steroids, and those, definitely made a difference. So if you think that sounds a little early, then you'd be wrong. See, professional athletes knew all about the benefits of juicing in the 70s. That's why the Olympics started testing in 76, which led to them immediately banning a handful of athletes. Baseball, on the other hand, didn't actually ban steroids until 1991. And the sport didn't start testing until 2003 which means that for at least 30 years, baseball players had both the knowledge that steroids helped athletic performance and the sport wasn't doing anything to stop them. But by the time baseball got around to testing for steroids, players had moved on to human growth hormone, which is not only more powerful, but harder to detect. It would be another 10 years before baseball started reliably testing for that. And I don't think Anyone is quite sure how effective that's been. The other issue is that right now, some chemists is being paid a lot of money to try and cook up the next miracle drug for athletes. And they're being paid way more money than the people whose job it is to catch them, because that's how this goes. You start off winking about how guys are using greenies, and you end up with guys who look like puffed up balloon animals being the stars of the sport there are always people willing to chase the next thing and pay others for the privilege of helping them do so. As a general rule, I'm not a big fan of slippery slope style arguments. They tend to overstate the impacts of whatever bad thing they're talking about. And they assume that nobody is going to do anything to stop the ball from rolling downhill. That everyone will just lay there and get crushed. A lot of bad fear-mongering arguments rely on this technique. But they aren't always bad. Because sometimes, like in baseball, people really do just lay down, close their eyes, put their fingers in their ears, and pretend like nothing bad could happen. And after getting flattened, they say, well, how could we have known? Throughout the 20th century, that's what we did. A lot of people did, in fact, Try to warn us about the inherent dangers of certain activities. They really did raise the alarms early and often. Now they weren't perfect messengers and we'll get into that as we go. But they weren't exactly wrong either. So what I'm going to do in this series is talk about all of that. How are they right? How are they wrong? Did we ignore the message because we didn't like the messenger? And what kind of price have we paid for closing our eyes to the dangers ahead? But the goal isn't just to criticize the past, it's to help us build a better mental model for thinking about the problems we face right now and the problems we don't yet know about but we'll be facing in the future. So to help me do a bit of table setting, I'm joined by my friend and regular partner in crime, Francine Dash. Thanks for joining me, Francine.
1: Excellent. Thank you for having me.
0: So, so what, what did you think when I sent you an uh, episode titled An Excuse to Talk About Baseball?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were alluding to a conversation we had about our friend Pete Rose um, and this mean- whole Gambling thing, which I'm sure you'll get into later, but, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gambling,
0: gambling, gambling and sports, baby it's back. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I, I, um, I was really intrigued by this because, um, what we, um, what you kind of talk about is the normalization right, of the usage of it. And at the same time, not really understanding the impact, right that it had on the quality of life and health.
0: Exactly. Of,
1: of, of some of these folks. So I, yeah. I I think it's a really intriguing discussion and you know, you don't hear this discussion a lot.
0: No, I, I mean, something you know, and this is, I mean, funny, a, a bit inside baseball, you know, <laughs> this appropriate phrase here, um, but the audience doesn't know, but you know, <laughs> I've been circling this topic for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, We've been talking about this like last
0: year, even, right? Yeah, I mean, I've done many series since then. I've mm-hmm. done like two or three series since then about different topics because I've been circling this one and trying to wrap my head around how to talk about this mm-hmm. um, in a way that wasn't judgy, in a way that didn't make people feel bad. I mean, they're real people, people who right. might listen to this, who might struggle with some of the things we'll bring up over the course of this series, and I, I don't. I didn't want and don't want people to feel like they're being attacked or being made the bad guy. Right. Um, Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So
0: I want it to be, how do I handle this in a sensitive way Mm -hmm. while also acknowledging that, you know, we have arrived at a place where I think it's, it's fair to to be concerned. It's Mm -hmm. fair to ask some hard questions. Um, and so, you know, I, I finally I think I've managed to land on a on a on a balance here. And I, I hope as people go as we go through this series, they'll they'll see that there was some there's some care behind this. I mean, I know people in my personal life who struggle with probably everything that will come up in this series. I I I, I probably know at least one person who struggles with it.
1: <laughs> you and I both. I mean, this yeah. is um I, I think the 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 great thing about the series, and I can tell you put a lot of thought. This was not a rushed. Uh, show topic, uh, a lot of thought, and a lot of purpose went behind making sure the research was done to to hit the right notes. Yeah, baseball absolutely. Baseball is a wonderful, wonderful space. Yes. In order to kind of lay that out. I mean, you laid out a lot of different things. Yes. Um, from the 18th to the 21st Amendment. We even have a liquor stores called 21st Amendment. Exactly,
0: exactly. I, yes, yes, we do.
1: <laughs> but baseball, is a great space to discuss it, yeah. particularly when you talk about Greenies in the history of, yep. you know, some of these soldiers who were credited, if you will, I'm using air quotes, with bringing back yep. their use of of, of uh, uh, amphetamines, I keep trying not to say yeah. not amphetamines, but amphetamines yeah. to baseball when they return, yeah. and making it as normal as a cup of coffee.
0: Yes, yeah. I-, I mean... <laughs> like like people should really go and look because i know i mentioned this when we when i sort of talked about i know i briefly mentioned this when i talked about one like world war ii like in a previous series but you know there's this impression i think that like the germans gave their soldiers amphetamines because Mm -hmm. that's how it's best known Mm -hmm. but great britain i believe actually gave out more than germany Mm -hmm. uh and the u.s did like it was wartime Yeah, I know the I'm pretty sure the Japanese had a similar Mm -hmm. system of just like, here's a bunch of drugs to stay awake and go fight. It's war. But the consequence was, you know, you handed out governments handed out tens of millions of pills of drugs. And then some people came back from war and they're like, well, you know, I kind of liked it. Right. I like the alertness or the awake. And baseball is so fascinating to me because baseball is my first love as a sport. Now, I watch more basketball than anything else, but I grew up playing baseball, watching baseball, studying old statistics with my dad. Like, we had this big, huge encyclopedia of like <laughs> 2,000 pages or something, something crazy. And I used to just pour over numbers, just pages to pages after weird numbers. Right. Um, and so it's it's looking through the history of baseball, you really can track this slow progression from greenies are okay, they don't really help to like, Okay, well now guys are taking steroids. And yeah. I've had debates with baseball fans. I know there's a lot of baseball people. I've had debates with people about when the steroid era started. I've always been one of those, it did not start in the late 80s. Given that we oh, know no. No,
1: no, professional I,
0: athletes I, were taking true... them in the 70s in the Olympics, you'd have to what? be really naive to think baseball players and football players weren't taking steroids in the 70s. You'd First have to
1: be of really of all, naive. Um it, it's, it's naive to think that anabolic steroids or versions of them started in the 80s. That is not true. That's not true. The point of the testing coming along is the suspicion for about a 10-year period. Exactly. That, wait a minute, <laughs> how are these people getting this big, this strong, this fast? Yep. Right? Yep. And so that's where I believe the testing came about, but the testing was always behind.
0: Yeah. And and that's what that's what I hope people actually I hope they make that connection with what I mentioned about the Olympics. Right. Because if the Olympics is testing in 76 and catching people, they are at least probably two Olympic cycles behind.
1: Right. Right. So
0: if they are catching people in 76, that means people have probably been using it since like 70 or 68. Right.
1: Like right.
0: that's yeah. why you started testing, because you thought they were doing it.
1: Right. Exactly. So
0: <laughs> that's why I said in the po- like. I would probably put early anabolic steroid use in sports at the late 60s, yeah, yeah. which means it hits the Olympic level in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And at that point, athletes know steroids help you play better in sports. And so if you think mm-hmm. there weren't guys trying it at baseball, football, basketball is a little trickier because yeah. pure size and mass isn't super helpful in basketball. It's obviously helpful in baseball. Right. It's helpful in baseball and it's obviously, obviously helpful in football. So I've always felt like, guys are using steroids in the seventies. Like, please don't delude yourself I guess
1: the question is understanding it's long, like it's impact. Right. right? There have been accusations of violence. Yep. uh, Not just with the amphetamines, but with the steroids, because I guess each step affects people a little bit more yeah in a in a negative way and how much responsibility we have as a society or baseball has as an as an institution to really uh oversee or manage this you know they right. are you so into the wins that you ignore the impact right
0: right and that's right and that's going to definitely be like that's the overarching theme of the of the whole series um is is this how do we how do we manage this how do we want to manage this i mean you you don't want to live in a society where people are told no just constantly you're not allowed to do anything that might be a little dangerous or a little risky um that just seems like a miserable way to live so you don't want a society that does that but then do you want what we currently have now and something that like we're going to get into well as i go through episodes two and three which are alcohol and gambling. You know, a theme people will see, and they will see this throughout the entire series with every topic we cover. Is we, we, we lack all moderation in the United States. We just, we are zero or 100. We're all
1: in, or yeah, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. I
0: get into this out in episode two, people will see it like we are either, we are either Puritans or drunkards. There's like no... (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, ideally, what you want people to do is to, it, it's difficult to legislate, and which we found out uh, yep. with prohibition, it's difficult yep. to legislate habits, right? Extremely. Uh, and it's also difficult to punish habits. Yep. What you ultimately want is a society where people learn how to moderate for themselves and how to make choices uh, that they understand uh, completely enough to not go so far as to negatively impact their own lives or the lives yes. around them. So far, we have not discovered the, the uh, uh, magic pill for lack of a better word. mean, mm, yeah. <laughs> but um, what I uh, hope to discover as you go through the series is, you know, there, there's going to be a common theme. Yeah. That's going to come across. Yeah. I hope that people pick up on that and, yeah. and when we get to the end, we, we can talk about that further.
0: Yeah, uh, no, exactly. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, very so I'm really excited. I'm really glad that you picked this topic. This is a meaty one and um let's just see what happens.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you once again for joining me, Francine. No um a real opportunity to talk about sports. I was so happy. I'm so I'm so happy we got <laughs> to do that. We have to do this
1: like more in depth. Truly, <laughs> really, and it's just to talk about baseball. Um
0: right. and as always, I want to encourage you, the audience, to continue the discussion on Facebook and Instagram. Like all of our shows here, this podcast is brought to you in part by Eliac Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians and PointCast News. To listen to our podcast or read our latest articles, you can visit our website at pointcast.news or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcast. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and make sure you join us next time.